I pledge allegiance to the flag of Nacho Obama's Christian Podcast. Are you asking? Are you pledging allegiance to this podcast? No, or are you asking people. No, to do that? every listener automatically does by listening. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, welcome to Nacho Mama's. Stop listening. Welcome to Nacho Mama's Christian Podcast, the Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm your host Shane here with Eric. Why did you say my name like that? Eric. Here with Eric. Like, here comes the downer <laughs> so part. So disappointed. Here comes Eric. Oh, here we go. Great. Uh-huh. You want to know something that, I, that my father-in-law told me this past weekend? What? That, first off, watch your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> he listens, so he's going to hear this. Yeah. Um, he said, I, I like the podcast, but you guys are definitely missing something without Topper. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We so all... Give me his email. I'm going to email and tell him to come back. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I said, we would like for him to come back, but yeah. I'm sorry I'm disappointing you, Father. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First, my normal father. <laughs> now, How now many fathers father can I disappoint <laughs> in my life? Yeah. Hey, uh, so uh, so you went on a little, little camping trip, didn't you, Eric? It was more than a camping trip. It was huh. a... So a friend of ours named Danny um, asked me to go on this... this men's wilderness type thing and i said yeah, yeah sure now are, now are you a camper no no not really not. i mean i will camp yeah but um when he asked me i said yeah yeah sure i'll go and then you don't look like the outdoorsy shut up manly, <laughs> i know you're trying to say manly type you, okay right? uh, first off soft. i can i can <laughs> i can handle it so i thought when he t- asked me to go i said yeah i'll go and he, i thought it was just like a camping thing for for men then we sing kumbaya and right. talk about jesus um it was not that it was backpacking uh-huh for 30 miles Ooh. on a weekend in wow. Michigan and carrying a big pack, uh, 50 pounds, carrying your own water that you got from the lake, wow. um, making your own food. When we got there, they gave us a little black bag of food. And here's what was in that in that bag. Two things of oatmeal, two things of uh, chili mac, um, some rice, um, two things of peanuts, two things of uh, trail mix. Ooh, for, for how long? For, we got the Thursday. We were leaving Sunday. Ooh, that was our food and a Snickers bar. Ah, while while hiking thirty miles, and I was like, "This is it." <laughs> um, they give you like an emergency pack, like they won't let you die. But so we get there and we hike for three or four miles that night mm-hmm. um, at nine o'clock at night, carrying our packs. That was fine. Then we woke up the next day before the sun was up to start backpacking. Before the sun was up. We, they gave us a GPS and our team. We only had like seven people on our team, and we just had to follow what the GPS said. And we didn't stop until like nine thirty at night, all day. That's a long day. I was about to quit. I was seriously <laughs> ready. I was like, I'm going to go home tomorrow. I can't do this again tomorrow. This is the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> this is brutal. One of our guys did quit. Yeah, like he just couldn't do it. I don't blame him. We had a bunch of football players in our, on our team. It was like about seven people, and one of the other guys said, "I'm going home tomorrow. I am not doing this again wow. tomorrow." Because they give you GPS, and you're like following it yourself, and um, we weren't, didn't know what we we're doing, so we saw a point this north. We just went, no matter what the trail did. We said, "Okay, it's a, down a huge hill, up a big mountain. I guess we gotta go that way." When there was always trails that went around it, they didn't tell you that beforehand. Well, after a while, they did because there's people that are following you to make sure you don't die, and they were getting tired uh-huh. of going up and down things. They didn't have to go down, so they said, "Hey, come on, man, you're making it too hard on us. <laughs> don't go like a bird. Like look for the trail." Uh-huh. Like, oh, we didn't know. Uh, we had to carry logs at one point. It was just crazy, but. I will say, um, for how much I hated Friday, hated it, and I was done. I was physically exhausted. The guy who quit, like, we were trying mm-hmm. to get him through, so we were carrying his pack some of the time. So some of the times I'm yeah. carrying, like, 100 pounds worth of stuff. Um, 
after the weekend was over, I don't want to give too many details. The the thing is called Fourth Musketeer. If you this sounds good for you for some reason, um, <laughs> uh, they do it everywhere. Uh, I did get a lot out of it, like spiritually and and mm-hmm. as a husband, as a father. Um, and the less you know, the better. But they had to like drain you physically on Friday in order for you to be emotionally ready on Saturday. Yeah, and I was emotionally ready on Saturday. Um, so it was pretty crazy. Wow. I'm trying to get you to go. Yeah, I mean, I would like to go. It's just you wouldn't like to go. <laughs> well, I mean, you would like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Friday you would hate it. Yeah, but but you get a lot out of it. Like I don't want to do it again, but I will for certain people to go again. Mm-hmm. But yeah. while I was there, there was um, I just kind of felt like I stuck out. Like I didn't really. What What do you mean? It was a bunch of your week. <sighs> it was a bunch of guys <laughs> that like hiking. Uh huh. I'm not a hiker. Right. That like like to hunt. I don't hunt that mm-hmm. like I'm manly and so like, like I like football and that kind of stuff. I'm not manly in the, in the stereotypical like conservative Bible belt way. I so you sound like some country boys, like some, the, yeah, there was a bunch of country Midwestern, boys there. like f- country strong yeah, Bible belt like Bible type belt. of stuff that, that I didn't really seem to fit in with at yeah. times. Um, we made it through, but I remember thinking like, man, this is just not my people right, right. Uh, right now. Not not my people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to sound like, but but you know, like sometimes you're with a group and you're like, I don't really have a lot of common, a lot in common with these people. Yeah, that happens a, yeah, and, and it's sometimes like I figure out ways of yeah. having come, but like I'm thinking of like the super ultra conservative, yeah, like yeah. type people that some of that seem like they were like I don't really, yeah, I mean I, I fall under the conservative category, but I'm not like the mm. extreme of it. Mm. Like I felt like some of those people were so. So a lot of times, this is something that I that I'm trying to figure out as as a pastor at, at a church and those sort of things is if any person comes into our church service on a Sunday morning, I always ask myself is will they feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. Will they feel at home? Uh, will they feel like they fit in? And uh, I, I I hope the answer to that is always yes, but. I don't know if that's always the answer in every church across America, right? Because church in America looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. Church in America a lot of times fits into a certain what, box. Give me the stereotype, and I was kind of saying the stereotype that I yeah. found, but what, what would you say is the general national stereotype of church yeah. in America? Yeah, and uh, obviously Republican, conservative, yep. Yep. Um, uh, a lot of, and a lot of, a lot of times white. Yeah, um, but not all the time because well, there's, there's plenty there's of gospel. Church. Yeah, plenty of it depends on like what sort of denomination. Like if you're thinking like like a, like a Southern Baptist, you know, African American church, or uh, like a really conservative, uptight white church. Uh, yep. uh, those are a lot of stereotypes. If I said there's certain words that I said, they're I like bet, guns. Yep, <laughs> there's certain words that if I said it, you'd probably everyone would probably have an image in their mind. So like church clothes. Oh yeah, like image a, pops in your head of yeah. what church clothes right. are. Button down, yep. khakis, um, um, worship music, like what that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're thinking more of like more uh, lively like worship bands, you think verse, course, verse, course, bridge, course, and yeah. um, here's a, a dynamic change so you can it's really get that worship. Yep. Yeah. Um, but even in when I think of like some of the older traditional churches, I think of like hymns or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not none of which are bad. Nope. Um, actually there's some hymns I really enjoy, but there are certain things that you can say and everyone has a, that picture in their mind. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Um, and some of it does fall into the, the beliefs that you have to have if you're a Christian. And that's something that, that we've dealt with. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, um, when someone would tell me they voted for a certain person, I'd be like, 
Yeah. And you're a Christian? Yeah, how, how, could, could you, how could you how do could that? How could you vote for, for Obama? Yeah. I mean, you're right. a Christian, right? You know he's a Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know what that means, right? And that's just a natural inclination mm-hmm. that a lot of people have if they grew up in a Christian home. Yeah. But what we're starting to see now is we're starting to see people like our generation or even younger that um, don't necessarily have to feel like they have to fall under one of those two categories. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to go to church and feel like now they have to fall in that category in order to belong in that church or they're doing church wrong, Mm -hmm. which is, which is sometimes what people start to start to feel. Yeah. Well, a lot of times um, when I'm thinking about like, you know, when things happen in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, it, we, we talk about them at church. And so uh, what's been up front for especially recently, but really all of time is the politics involved in the country that we are in or the nation that we're in um, and and how do we deal with some of the things that are happening. And so a lot of times the church feels like they have to take a stance or um, uh, or talk about certain things that are going on all around them. I, I heard uh, another pastor speak before about when it comes to things that they discuss in church on all things, I think I said before, on all things pertaining that, that scripture addresses it, then we will stand up and speak loudly. But if scripture does not, then we will remain silent, mm-hmm. um, which involves a lot of politics. Yeah. Or I know a lot of churches, um, you know, when it comes to holidays, uh, they only, some churches will only s- celebrate or address holidays that have something to do with scripture with Jesus, with the Bible, something along those lines. Something like Halloween that just happened last week. Yeah. You're not going to... Or not necessarily like do like a sermon on it or or whatever it may be. But but really I'm talking about like political holidays, like like the 4th of July or Memorial Day or, um, you know, Labor Day, which they aren't bad things. But what we forget about a lot of times is what if somebody comes to our church who just moved here from another country and we and we're sitting there celebrating the Fourth of July and talking about how great our country is, which it is, which all of those things are true. But is it does it does then that person from another place feel like an outsider? But I think there's a way you can do it though. Like if mm-hmm. I went to a church in Michigan mm-hmm. and that church was celebrating something from Michigan because yeah. they are proud they're from yep. Michigan, mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel like, well, I'm not from Michigan. I would just be like, oh, okay, they're cool. They're celebrating their thing. Whatever. Right. It's the way you do it. But if then if then what they are saying is if you're not from Michigan, mm-hmm. then you're not as good as us, then that's when it changes. Yeah. So I think you can be proud mm-hmm. of where you're from, mm-hmm. but still have Jesus in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we kind of talk about a little bit in our, in our interviews coming up. But um, yeah, I think that there, you can do that because there's some people that are listening that that do that, that yeah. they might have a political view, um, but they still try to be Jesus first. But are you wrestling with what political views you have and are you putting a lens of Jesus over top of it? Because mm-hmm. I would you consider yourself like a political person really? No. Not, I don't really, I mean, I feel like our day and age now, I vote and yeah. and I, I try to keep up with certain things that are happening. I don't feel country, like I'm but, smart enough with politics, yeah. first off, to like really hold a debate or argument. I just kind of go with what I, with what I've studied, but then the problem is mm-hmm. what side of the yeah. stance are you on? But one thing I've been trying to wrestle with is putting it in a lens of Jesus and trying to picture that and not think that whatever my view is on a certain political stance is is the hundred percent like I do think it's right because that's what I have, mm-hmm. but understanding that I could be wrong and I'm willing to listen to other people, but I'm going to take all of it and put it in Jesus. 
lens. Yeah, yeah. And I, we've said this before on here too, but I, I think that the issue is, are you a follower of Jesus first or are you an American first? Um, or are you a Republican first Republican or, a Democrat or, first. or are you a whatever denomination first Yeah, too? Because that, that happens a lot of times. And, and if we are not following Jesus first and foremost, then that's an issue in any situation that we have. In anything in life. <laughs> anything in <laughs> life, yeah. That's an issue. So um, today we had uh, uh, a great guy, author named Keith Giles on, who wrote the book, Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. And he kind of covers a lot of this stuff where he talks about um, what your first priority is and um, what what you first care about, whether it's Jesus or your politics. So for the people that are listening, that would fall under either camp, Huge, huge conservative, huge liberal. Um, I want to challenge you to hear some of the stuff he said. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree or disagree, just kind of try to try to hear his his heart behind what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would recommend getting the book. We we both really like the book. Yeah, it's awesome. Untangled. Um, uh, reading that and and challenging yourself. Ask yourself: Are you more of a Republican, Democrat, American over a follower of Jesus? Yeah, I think that the main question is: Do your beliefs do you believe what you believe to justify what you like, or do you believe what you believe because that is the truth that you have found? Yeah. Because too often we try to justify what we already believe and ignore things that go against what we believe. Uh, the challenge with this is pursue Jesus and pursue truth. Yeah, and that's super hard to do. Super hard to do. Like it's something that we are trying to do, and, mm-hmm. and you need people that are going to call you out on it to try to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's just... Like like he says, untangling yourself from the the politics and from um, some of that stuff when when we're sacrificing Jesus because of it, yeah. where we're we're giving up Jesus to the altar of politics. So, um, a great interview again. Jesus untangled, crucifying our politics. The pledge leads to the Lamb. We really recommend uh, you looking it up. Uh, check out Keith Keith Giles. But let's get to our interview with Keith. heard about your book from um, Not Your Pastor's Podcast when you were on that for a while, long time ago. Uh, yep. we, we became friends with them because when we started a podcast, we were looking my our name up, Not Your Mama's, and we saw Not Your Pastor's, and I just yeah. hit them up. Yeah. And now we're, yeah, like, yeah. now we're like good like podcast friends. Yeah. yeah, they're great guys, too. They're really super guys. Yeah, yeah they are awesome. So um, where where are you um, calling from? Uh, where, where, do you, where do you live right now? Uh, I am in Orange County, California. Oh, and, snap. Um, yeah. So it's a very warm, kind of a warm day today. So yeah. Working beautiful. outside. I, was, I work from home. I'm, I'm really blessed. So. Oh, oh, nice. nice. I, I was just in California this summer. like did the Disneyland thing with my kids, um, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, California was all awesome. We were like San Diego area. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah, Southern California is, I mean, I live... I can see Angel Stadium from my house. Oh, uh, nice. I can watch the fireworks from Disneyland. Oh, so you're so, you're right so around close. There. That's great. Super close, yeah. And, yeah, go down to the beach. It's really great. Yeah, 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 Cal- yeah. California is awesome. We got tacos over there, and they were the best tacos ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I'm spoiled. I know. So give us uh, just a little bit of background on on you, where you're from originally, like, um, and what what got you to the point of writing your book, which we really enjoyed, by the way. Um, oh, thank uh, just you. give give us some background on on who you are. 
Wow. Okay. So um, let me see. Well, I uh, I was uh, raised in. I grew up mostly in Texas. I was born in Tennessee, raised in Texas. I grew up in a. I'm an only child. I was born into a kind of a very 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 conservative, but I think probably typical Christian conservative home. I was raised Southern Baptist. I was, uh, you know, I. I uh, Listened uh, to Rush Limbaugh. I was a member of the NRA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I owned a bunch of guns. Like, like a good Christian shooting. guy you were. <laughs> like every, you know, this is what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And to me, that is what it, I mean, I didn't know any other way mm-hmm. to be. You know, I didn't, I didn't, never met another Christian that was different from that. Uh, that just was normal for me. And um, so anyway, yeah, I was licensed and ordained uh, as a Southern Baptist pastor about 28 years ago. Uh, got married. My wife and I moved to California. Uh, and, um, yeah, so, you know, I've, I've done everything as a pastor. I've been everything except a senior pastor of a church. So I've done children's ministry, music ministry, uh, associate pastor. Wow. We did compassion ministry to the poor here in Orange County. That was really great. Children's ministry, youth ministry, things like mm-hmm. that. And, um, you know, really loved it. Um, so that's just kind of like who I am um, about – 11, 11 and a half years ago, uh, my wife and I felt God calling us to leave and start a church here in Orange County. We had already planted a church with some friends of ours that was a vineyard mm-hmm. church and loved that experience. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And we felt what we felt God calling us to do was to start a, a church here in Orange County that would give away 100% of the offering to the poor in the community, mm-hmm. which means I would not take a salary. Wow. We wouldn't spend a dime on donuts, coffee, rent sound systems, salary, nothing. Like it would all go to help the poor in the community. We were very excited about such a thing. Never heard of that before. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you do that? Um, so we prayed about how to do that. And uh, what we realized is that God was calling us to start a, a house church. So essentially, we meet in homes. I would go get a job in the real world mm-hmm. and uh, to provide for my family, my wife and my two boys. And um, and we would just meet in homes, and then all the offerings we received would go to to do that, to help the poor in our wow. community. So we've been doing that. That's been our, our reality now for about 12 years, and um, 11 and a half years, and it's just been amazing. It's the best thing I've ever done with church on it. So um, so I've been, in, I've been on this journey. Um, I think really what the catalyst, even for, not only for me writing this book, but also the catalyst for that responding to that calling, you know, to step away from what we, what we knew into something completely weird and unknown and different. Yeah, yeah very different. Like this radical house church thing. Yep. Um, probably the catalyst for all of that came from a conversation that I had with a guy named Todd Hunter, uh, who, um, and he was really good friends with another guy named Dallas Willard. And um, uh, I was interviewing Todd for Relevant Magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him a question about what was... What was the biggest problem uh, facing the church in America today? And his answer blew my mind. And the ripples of the answer to that question, I'm still experiencing the the paradigm shift that came out of his answer. His answer was that the problem with Christians in America today is that they fundamentally do not understand the gospel. Mm. Uh, He said, you know, because the gospel is not saying a prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. Well, I was an ordained minister. I'd been a pastor for, you know, a long time, a decade Mm -hmm. at that point. And I was like... That's not the gospel. Oh. I, that's the only yeah. gospel I knew. Yeah. And he said, Well, Keith, yeah, you know, the gospel is what Jesus says it is. And if you turn to the gospels, Matthew, mm-hmm. Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, 
the Gospels tell you, Jesus tells you the good news. That's what gospel means. Mm-hmm. That, that Jesus came to preach the good news of the kingdom. And the gospel that Jesus preaches is not, uh, hey, I'm going to, in a few years or so, I'm going to die on a cross and, uh, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. And then if you pray a prayer and believe in me, you can go to heaven when you die. He never, and he did talk about the fact that he was going to die. Yeah. Right. But, but he never framed that as the gospel. What he mm. said the good news was, is the good news is the kingdom of God is here. Yeah. It's open. It's within you. It's within reach. You can enter the kingdom, the reality of living under the rule and reign of, of God today, right now. Yeah. Uh, and here's how you do it. You die to yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. I'm going to give you an example to follow, and you're going to follow me, and I'm going to abide in you, and you're going to abide in me, and we're going to live a kingdom life. Mm. So anyway, that just blew yeah. my mind and shifted everything for me. So I just started rethinking, what does that mean to follow Jesus? And uh, and so working that out is kind of how I ended up uh, stepping out to start this kind of crazy house church thing to serve the poor in the community. Um to live really more of a full-time ministry to me used to be working for a church. Mm. You know, I thought I'm in, if I'm working, if I'm on salary, if I'm paid staff at a church, uh, I'm in full-time ministry. That's what I thought it meant. And then what God showed me was full-time ministry is working, you know, anywhere else, working yeah. a regular job with regular people 24 seven. That's full-time. Yep. My whole life yeah. is ministry uh, to anyone around me. That's my, it's my life. It's wow. not my job. And really, if you think of it, realized is that well when i was on paid staff i was really kind of only serving it wasn't really full-time it was like wednesday nights thursday nights sunday mornings yeah um, yeah you know here and there so full-time changed you know for me Hmm. and then it's also i think what set me on this journey to write this book jesus untangled wow yeah this and this book um jesus untangled crucifying our politics a pledge leads to the lamb Mm -hmm. uh which is a great subtitle by the way yeah um um, and and the cover is awesome too uh give us a little um just a brief synopsis of what this book's about for those that have not read it well um kind of what you said there you know the, the the subtitle really does i think encapsulate the, the, the theme of the book. You know, we want to crucify our politics to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And so essentially what I what I came to realize, first of all, honestly, this is this book came out of a personal transformation of myself. Again, as I described myself a minute ago, I was completely entangled with my politics, with my faith. I didn't know where my faith ended and my politics began. And what I realized was that uh, I was more American than Christian. Yeah. And then the more I started then to deconstruct myself and my own faith experience and kind of properly, more properly align my faith and my politics and you know what was more important, prioritize correctly, um, I realized that I wasn't the only one who suffered from this problem. Yeah. That this was a very big problem in the church at large. And so, you know, I thought, wow, you know, I think the greatest threat to Christianity in America might be American Christianity wow. <laughs> because we're so entangled with our politics. And then, you know, really what I also started realizing is, and this is a pretty profound thing that hit me, was realizing that um, we as, if we are, if the American church doesn't untangle its faith from its politics, I think it's powerless. I mean, we've really been so distracted by politics, we're not focused on the gospel. We're Mm -hmm. not focused on the transformational power of the gospel to change people, first of all, to change us into people who look and act like Jesus. That's got to it's yeah. got to begin there. Yeah. And then once it starts to transform us into people who lo- who love 
and behave like Jesus. It would transform people around us and people into people who look and act like Jesus. And that's how we make the world a better place. Mm. It isn't by voting. It isn't by passing laws. Uh, that's never going to change the world. It's never going to make the, our world a better place. Um, you know, politics has a really poor track record. For, mm-hmm. for, tr- for transformation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so what I realized, here's the profound thing that I realized, is that a, a, an, an entangled church um, is almost inoculated from that reality and that truth of that transformational gospel. And then here's the thing. You can't convert a system if that system has already converted you. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the profound thing that hit me. Of, yeah. Oh, my gosh. How in the world are we supposed to change a system that we are so a part of, mm-hmm. we are blind to it? Yeah. We don't even realize how, you know, how much it has changed us wow. and to look like it, that then, then we could transform it to look like us. Wow, that's good. That's good. Hey, so, um, uh, so give us a picture then, you've touched on this a little bit, give us a picture then of what the typical American church and typical American Christian looks like, and what that what what category that kind of falls into. Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, um, I've had a lot of conversations with people uh, over the course of writing the book, and even you know before writing the book, but certainly since I've written it, um, uh, people who are frustrated that when they go to church, they want Jesus. And what they end up getting is, and then this is this is not my term. This is what uh, someone who was a millennial told me. Yeah. Uh, at a coffee shop, we were talking, and and she said, "I just, I." She goes, "Keith, I, I, I gave up going to this church I went to my whole life. I grew up in this church, and I finally just quit this church." And she said, "The reason I quit this church was I just got tired of going to church every Sunday and hearing Fox News sermons." Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. And and it's like I wanted Jesus. I want to mm-hmm. know Him. Mm-hmm. I want to draw nearer to Him. I want to be more like Him. I want to know what He, you know, how He wants me to live my life, and how He wants me to love people. And so she said, you know, we every sermon was about those people over there mm-hmm. we're against. Mm-hmm. And um, and so unfortunately, I think an entangled church, it's distracted. Mm-hmm. Right, this yeah. entanglement with politics has distracted us from our real goal. Um, it divides us. This is really, I think, one of the things we don't get that we don't understand is the division that it causes just within the body of Christ. I mean, yeah. everybody. I, I've done the, I've done a book tour uh, with this book, and I've been to different places. And at every place I've gone, I've, I've I've said, raise your hand if you have either unfriended someone on Facebook over a disagreement over politics, or you have been unfriended mm-hmm. on Facebook because you expressed a different opinion from a friend on Facebook, uh, on politics. And everybody raises their hand. And so it's just a common thing. But here's the thing we're not understanding. Um, That division is between brothers and sisters in Christ. So Mm -hmm. as an example, Paul in 1 Corinthians refuses to allow the Christians in Corinth to divide over which apostle is their favorite. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good thing, right? right? They're arguing over a good thing. Well, I love Paul. I love Peter. I love Apollos. No, I'm really into this other guy. No, no, Paul says, listen, guys, we all follow Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, was Paul crucified for you? Did, did did Peter rise from the dead? No. we We're all together. We are one body. We're following Christ. Now, if Paul wouldn't let Christians divide over which apostle was their favorite yeah what makes us think it's okay to divide over politics or issues like this like this is wrong Mm -hmm. and that we are allowing something from outside 
the body of Christ and the kingdom of God to come into the body of Christ and divide us and create division. And we already have plenty of division with denominations. We don't need to add another yep. division yep. Right, for politics, but we do. Uh, and so that's that's a very dangerous thing. Yeah, I, uh, it feels like even like even more today in in our day and age when with Trump as the president and that kind of stuff. Like you, it's, it feels like I have to pick a side on everything. Yeah. If there's yep. the Las Vegas massacre, also now I have yep. to either be pro guns or against guns. If there's yep. a cop that shoots a black person, I have to be pro police or against black. Like. Like, I don't yeah. know why it's always a pick your camp. I don't know why yeah. it's just the natural in- inclination of people to say, well, we got to pick a side or pick a camp. And a lot of that is from church. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we've grown up in yes. a Christian home our whole life. Um, we grew up in a conservative household. We And yep. and I've thought, even recently, the, the idea of Christians being able to be demo- like a Democrat, because yeah. I just yes. never thought, <laughs> like, what do you mean? You can't be liberal. And, yeah. like, you right. actually you actually believe that stuff? Yeah. Like, did, you don't... Yeah. Like, I, I have to fight that in my own inclination, and I think we all have an attitude of, we need to be right, and if mm-hmm. you're not with us, you're mm-hmm. against us, and the church really pushes that on a lot of people more than anything else. Well, I've also discovered, yes. too, that, because I've been a lead pastor now for just a year and a half, so I'm new to being a lead pastor, and I've discovered that as a lead pastor, people want to know where I stand. Um, oh, yeah. in the church, and they want to know exactly my opinion on different things, and I've refused to bring politics to the pulpit, but I'm willing to have a conversation with somebody outside of, uh, but I'm not going to do that in a sermon setting, and that was something that I didn't really anticipate, even though I should have, that, that <laughs> yeah. people wanted to know exactly where I stood politically. Yeah. Well, and you know, guys, so so here's what I think it boils down to, and I talk about this in the book. It's... it's um, all it is is tribalism. Mm-hmm. And so we have allowed, uh, first of all, tribalism exists in all kinds of stuff, right? Tribalism exists between, you know, I love the 49ers and you love the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, I had a crazy thing. I used to ride the train to work in my previous job, and there was a guy on the train that was wearing um, a Rams jersey, but it was when they were at St. Louis. Okay. Yep. And, you know, the Rams just came back to L.A. Yeah. So another guy, two strangers, I'm just watching them talk to each other, and the one guy says to the other guy, um, Oh, you like the Rams? Yeah. He goes, yeah, I used to love them. I grew up with them when they were in L.A. I loved them. I just loved the Rams. And then they went to St. Louis, and I hated them. <laughs> but now they're back in L.A., and I love them again. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> what is it you love? <laughs> you love the logo? You love yeah. the – you mean? Yeah. It's like it's so arbitrary and silly. Right. But listen, you know, the, but the tribalism, it can be silly, but it can also be really destructive. Destructive, and so yep. The, the tribalism, the, the, you know, the tribalism between – conservative and liberal or you know um it's it, it essentially does this first of all you define your tribe you know a certain way this is who we are but you start to then y- your whole your whole existence really is about the other guy mm-hmm. right and so if i'm a conservative then the liberals have to be the most evil the most in uh, yeah. you know insidious the most stupid the most mm-hmm. devious and uh, i have to demonize the other you know, mm-hmm. and by doing that, I make myself look good. And then actually, it justifies. Here's the danger. Then there, if it, once I say, once I establish how corrupt and evil and horrible they are, well, then guess what? Anything I say or do about them is justified because look how evil they are. Yep, right, you yep, know, right. and uh, even if I'm lying about it, even if I'm stretching the truth a little bit, it's okay because well, they're worse than I am. Yeah. My guy and my guy on my team, he might have done the exact same thing. Yeah, but you know, but at least he's not one of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and so tribalism—it's just a—it just creates this crazy blind spot, hmm. where uh, you know it's 
my my team at all we're always right and they're always wrong and so here's the other thing and let me let me get to my point here here's the here's the the danger too in tribalism um so once you start thinking that way um and you do we do this with all kinds of stuff you start using these broad sweeping generalizations so you say all homeless people are lazy mm-hmm. all homosexuals want to destroy the family mm-hmm. all muslims hate americans and freedom and want to kill us yep. all blank mm-hmm. are this way yep. right all conservatives are gun nuts all liberals uh want free abortions in the streets yeah mm-hmm. you know what i mean like no they don't mm-hmm. and and here's the thing you can only say that if you don't actually have a friend <laughs> and you actually yeah. don't actually know someone who's yeah. gay yeah. Or who's Muslim, or who's liberal, or conservative, whatever. Once you or homeless, once you meet some an actual mm-hmm. person, you can put a name to that. You know, my friend Mike is homeless, and so when someone says all homeless people are lazy, I say, well, Mike isn't like that. Yeah. Uh, all Muslims want to kill us. No, my friend Muhammad is super awesome. He's a mm-hmm. super great guy. He's just like me and you. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just trying to have, create a good life for his children. Yeah. So. So tribalism gives you permission to generalize those people. They're yep. all this way, but they're not all that way. Yeah. And here's the finally, here's the final danger for a Christian to think tribally. Once you can say all people in this group are like this, what you're saying is they're beyond redemption. Mm-hmm. And no one who's a Christian should believe that anyone's wow. beyond redemption. Yep. Wow. Correct. Right? The gospel can change anyone and everyone. So, you know, we can't afford to think like that. Mm. And, That's good. And, and in this day and age, too, it's it even seems like that tribalism you're talking about is even even stronger than ever. I mean, that just, as Dave I was thinking of, is with the NFL, with the kneeling and, and Trump statement, it made it where it's yeah. like you're either for the flag or you're against the flag. It's what, and it, all of a sudden, all these extremes of the left extreme <laughs> and the right extreme is the loudest. And there's a bunch of people yeah. that are kind of in the middle, moderate, or like, uh, I, don't, I don't, why do I got to pick a side on this? Yeah. And when you're always pushing something that you're against, then no yes. one knows what you're for. And and the gospel talks yeah. about what we're for, not, not what we're against. And so it's yeah. very, like you said, it's very, I had that same idea when it came to like homosexuality until I had a friend that was gay. And then all of a sudden, yes. all of my, all of my perspective and my yeah. perceptions of it completely changed because now it's personal. It's a lot easier yes. when it's not personal in your own yeah. life. Yeah, that's good. That's absolutely true. And you know, let me also say something else that's that's kind of crazy about, like going back to what you were saying a second ago um, about being a, a pastor and your people want you to pick sides and you know they want to know where you stand on these things. Here's the crazy thing too about the the politici- politicization, politicalization yeah. uh, <laughs> in, in, in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you as a pastor want to give up, get up and uh, give a sermon, and you want to just read from the gospel and and preach maybe from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about loving your enemy mm-hmm. or caring for the poor, uh, or you know, Ma- Matthew 25, right? When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Mm-hmm. You are just wanting to preach the gospel. You're just wanting to quote Jesus and say what Jesus says. But unfortunately, people in the pew are are attaching politics uh, to it. Political, yeah, mm-hmm. they're attaching yeah. a political statement to what you're saying when you're not doing that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But in other words, there's a filter between us and the gospel that forces us to politicize things that are not political. Mm-hmm. And and so um, here's here's another example. This is how you can just a real simple test. You can see if you're entangled or not. Um, because there are people, and I've, again, this is me, I, I totally was, this was me uh, just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, 
people, Christians, who will argue with a total stranger in line at the grocery store over some political issue, right, mm-hmm. for, for 20 minutes and pound the table over some, some political issue, but wouldn't, wouldn't spend two minutes talking to that same person about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. right there, that tells you, what are you most passionate about? What really gets you going? Mm-hmm. What really do you believe in? Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, my, the whole reason I wrote this book, again, was to, to part of it was my own catharsis, you know, my own uh, trying to process this stuff out of myself. But then also, as I said, realizing that other Christians around me, even my own family, mm-hmm. um, were entangled. And um, man, I just, I just want Christians to, to put more faith in their leader yeah and and to be more to be more patriotic about their nation which which by the way for a christian your leader is jesus yeah and your nation is the kingdom of god yeah and we follow someone who already is a leader already has an agenda mm-hmm. uh and by the way his kingdom is going to last for every ever every other kingdom including i'm sorry america yeah uh, every other empire on this planet will and must diminish right mm-hmm. he must increase and ours must decrease you know, in Revelation, it says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God. This is where it's headed. This is what's going to happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, the, the enemies of Christ in Revelation are the nations and the kings of this world. It doesn't say the bad ones. Mm-hmm. It says all the kings of this world, all the nations of this world. And it's not that he's declared war on them. No, it's that he has set up an agenda. He said, this is what I'm about. Here he said, follow me, right? And mm-hmm. they've said no. We're going to go this other way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Christians who say or want to, who, who think it's cool, like, or think it's possible, and because I get this question all the time, Keith, why can't I? What's the big deal? Why can't I just follow Jesus and and be politically active and care about you know these political issues and and you know kind of think this way and behave this way? Well, I would just say this: if if Jesus and your your political party and your political um, mindset, or even just your nation, the nationalism, right? You're the, the nation you're a part of that you think is so great. If they're both going north, well, then of course you can follow both of them because they're both headed the same direction, right? It's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I would submit that Jesus, when he shows up, says, hey, everybody, I see you all going this way. I'm going this way. I'm going another way. Yeah. And so I want you to turn around, repent, metanoia, think different, mm-hmm. come around this other way, and follow me. I've got another way. I've got a different way. It's not that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way leads to death and destruction. This way leads to life. And so I would say that to follow Christ, you, you Christ is going north, and all the other nations of this world and, and all the political systems of this world are going south. And if you try to walk north and south at the same time, one of two things will happen. You'll either walk in circles <laughs> or you'll tear yourself apart. Mm. But either way, you're never going to get where you want to go, and which hopefully for a Christian is to follow him. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's so. good. So, so, uh, and I know we got we got to wrap up here in a minute. But do we then, as a church, is there a responsibility of the church to to be obviously Jesus followers first and Christians first? Yeah. Is there any responsibility in regards to the church as also being? patriotic or American or for the person who who that is extremely important. Like, for example, I remember being a part of a church meeting where somebody raised their hand and said, we need to have the American flag on the stage, yeah. right? And, and, and for a lot of them, the reason for that is because 
they're thinking of the veterans. They're thinking of those who have served yeah. in the military who gave up their lives for our yeah. freedom. And so they want to honor them as well. Is there a responsibility for the church in both realms? Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's a sticky one, man. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know what? I mean, here's the thing. When I wrote this book, I did not write this book to give everybody another list of things that they had to do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not trying to tell Christians, hey, you got to do this. So I'm not trying to create laws for people. Right. What I'm trying to do is, is ask some questions mm-hmm. um, and hopefully get them to, ex- to really think and prayerfully examine, is this honoring Christ? Is this, yeah. or is this a compromise? Is this forcing me mm-hmm. to compromise what it means to follow Christ? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just asking those questions. Now, yeah. for me, I would say no. For, for me, I've decided that uh, I, I believe that, um, that Christ, Christ's kingdom uh, does set itself apart. And, and part of this comes from, let's say, um, again, because I started a house church about 11 and a half years ago, I started looking at the early Christian church, the first century church. And what I noticed was something that they strongly believed, which was this two kingdoms theory. Uh, and uh, I talk about this in the book, the, that you know the earliest Christians were martyred and went to their death because they refused to say that there was any other king mm. but Christ. We have no king, we have no Caesar, mm-hmm. but Christ. And it says this in Acts, right? In the book of Acts, it talks about how, you know, the Christians are running around preaching another king whose name is Jesus. Yeah. And so for me, yes, it does carry over into the political realm. I believe I have to pledge allegiance to Christ. He's my yeah, king. That's right. Um, and, so, and, and, and so the entanglement of the church at large really happened uh, when suddenly with Constantine, uh, he he created he he's the one really I think most responsible for entangling Christianity with yeah, empire became popular. and because of yeah exactly and because of that uh, and and at that point something shifted suddenly then Christians under Constantine said well we do have another king and his name is Constantine mm. and and then so it it created this shift and this division and really what Constantine did was he redefined what it mean, meant to be a Christian yeah. before that being a Christian meant you were someone who looked and acted and followed Christ, right? You look like Jesus, you follow a, a Christian in Antioch. You know, they were called Christians because they were people who were obviously like Christ and following Jesus. So being a Christian before Constantine was more about how you lived your life hmm. and the kind of person that you were, right? It was a, um, it was a orthopraxy. Mm-hmm. But under, under Constantine, it became purely orthodoxy. In other words, just agree with these 10 things. Check these boxes. You believe this, you believe this, you believe this, you believe this. Oh, you're a Christian. Act any way you want. Behave any way you want. By the way, here's a sword. Join the military. Help us go over there and kill some other Christians who disagree with you mm. theologically, and I'll give you the power of the sword to go and kill other Christians. Like, this is crazy, right? So I, I think, to me, it's a tragedy. I think it was a bad thing mm. that uh, that the church got entangled with the empire and with politics. And and part of what I'm hoping to do in my book is to to illuminate that. Yeah. and help Christians reconsider that maybe we had it right at the beginning. That's good. So, uh, last question before you got to run. Um, so what would you say to the person that's listening now that um, they have certain views politically, either way, liberal Demo- uh, liberal or yeah. conservative, doesn't matter, um, and, they're, and they're thinking right now, like, well, I want to be a Christian, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, I know, but I want to be a Christian, yeah. but so is it wrong for me to care about this political view now? Is it wrong for me to 
like my country and to and to yeah. like be a patriot. Yeah. How like, so? How do they wrestle with that? Because like I, that's kind of some of the stuff. Like not there's a lot of things I don't really care about politically. And I'm not <laughs> a big political guy, but there's certain things that I do care about when it comes right. to politics. And so yes. how how do I wrestle with um, some of the things I really do care about while I'm still trying to follow Jesus first? Yeah. Well, that's a great question, man. You know what I would just say is, um, as long as you're wrestling with it, mm-hmm. you're in a good spot. Because mm. I, I, I think if, if there's anything that Christians don't do, uh, that really I want them to do, is I want them to wrestle with it. Yeah, I want questions. them to question it. I want yeah. them to say, what? Do, in other words, the first thing should be, well, what does Jesus say? Let me turn to the Gospels. Let me listen to Jesus. Let me prayerfully say, Jesus, what what direction should I take in this in this matter? Mm-hmm. Wrestle with it, please. Wrestle with it. I, I, I'm more I'm more interested in you actually wrestling with it than in trying to to make sure you come out on this side or the other side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's much more much more important for Christians to ask the questions, mm-hmm. to wrestle with those things, uh, and to to in, to bring Christ and bring the gospel more into that conversation. And I think if we do that, we'll be at least. That that's progress. Yeah, there's good. one of the things that I always wrestle with is like when someone is a Republican or a Democrat, then all of a sudden every issue they just figure out what the Republican side is, what Democrat. Okay, I guess I'm on this side. Yeah, because right. like I don't understand why we can't just look at every every view, uh, have a filter lens of Jesus, yes. and yes. and then go from there. And whatever side it falls on, or it doesn't have to fall. We don't have to pick sides or whatever. Yes. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a whole different thing. But yeah. anyways, Keith, I know you got to run, but um, yeah. the book is Jesus Untangled: Crucifying Our Politics: The Pledge of Allegiance to the Lamb. Where can everybody get it or find out more information about you? Yeah. So well, the book is on Amazon.com. You can just search Jesus Untangled, and it's an audiobook, ebook, and print copies. Hmm. Um, you can go follow me at my blog, with which is just KeithGiles.com. K e i t h g i l e s. Dot com and then if you want to know more about the book there's uh, jesusuntangled.com which okay. has uh, interviews and Q&A and all kinds of little stuff there's even a little quiz there you can take a quiz to see mm. how much of you, what you do and think is uh, is oh. you know uh, influenced by politics or by oh, Jesus might need to take that might need to take yeah. that quiz yeah, that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> so keep yeah, the quiz thank you so much buddy we Thanks really appreciate a lot. it thank you guys so much it was great Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.